Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One of the things we continue to preach on this show is patience. As every single moment gives us the opportunity for new developments with DeMar Hamlin, Bill's safety. We all remember what happened Monday night, and everybody collectively has been holding their breath waiting for updates. Now, as we start to get some of those updates, it means we may be able to start to get some news from the NFL about what's next. If you missed the news this morning, the Bills released a statement. The statement says, per the physician caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. That lines up with some of the reporting that our uh, Cole Harvey has done, uh, Coley Harvey, I should say, has done a very good job uh, over the last several days, has been absolutely all over this story from every possible angle. And he referenced a couple of times on Twitter uh, the fact that can confirm DeMar Hamlin has been gripping the hands of his family members. Also told we will hear nothing from the family at this moment as they're still processing these developments. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You guys can hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Harry, I don't think we could hear anything from the league about what was going to possibly be next until we got some sort of news on DeMar Hamlin. The fact that we've started to get positive news means that it becomes easier for the league to now start to look at what's next. That's a logical piece of the puzzle in my mind when you put it together. No, 100%. Because uh, at the end of the day, the most important thing is the health of DeMar Hamlin, how his, family, how his family's doing and everything beyond that. Now that we have the news that he's doing a, a lot better, he's gripping his, his family members' hands, I think you can move forward now. But you also still have to tread lightly. I don't think you could just go full throttle with things. You do still have to tread lightly um, because you don't want to get, get beside yourself. Yeah, that is such a good point, that everything has to be done calculated, everything has to be done with patience, and everything has to be done with respect. Something we've all also been talking about on this show over the first few days. you got to have respect to this entire situation that some things are bigger than football. Now, this raises a question of what's next for the Bengals and Bills. And it's important to note, again, now that we've gotten some positive news, it feels like the league can start to give us some indication of what is next. Adam Schefter, ESPN senior NFL insider, was on the Noon Sports Center. And rather than give you a bunch of quotes, I want you to hear a portion of what he said looks like could be coming from the league. Here's the other one that's garnered a lot of conversation within the league office. They would essentially go, again, to win percentage. And in the end, if it involves... The Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, one of the teams impacted by Monday night along with the team that was in command of the number one seed like the Chiefs are right now, if they can win on Saturday. What the league could opt to do is make the conference championship game played on a neutral site. Now, to get to that point, before the league could get there, it would have to take votes of 32 owners and get approval of that plan. But that is one of the ideas that will be on the table here and will merit further discussion. Now, if it were the Chiefs and the Ravens or the Bills and the Jaguars and a top team with a clear lower-seeded team, well, then that team would host the conference championship game. But if the conference championship game would involve two teams that are in question and were involved in Monday nights somehow, then 
that game very well could be played on a neutral site and we could see the conference championship game played away from some home team's fans. That also, Harry, it should be pointed out, has to at least be in the minds of the league that there is a scenario, depending on a bunch of different outcomes, that could lead to an AFC championship game that could be Bills at Bengals, right? Like they are trying right now to get ahead of avoiding any sort of situation where you're putting those players back on that same field, having to relive that same moment. And I think that's the right decision. And we've seen the Buffalo Bills because of the snowstorm in Buffalo this year have to go to Detroit and play a game versus the Cleveland Browns, right? So you, 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 you look at the logistics and how this can work out. I think it's an excellent decision. I think it's an excellent move if they do decide to do that because when you look at three teams who could potentially have the number one seed, but then you also look at, you know, the, the – traumatic event that occurred on Monday Night Football, you don't want to put anybody in a, in a space to where they're uncomfortable or they feel some type of way being back in a venue that could, they could potentially be back in. So I think this is a good decision, a good move, uh, a good first step, just in case those two teams do match up again in the playoffs. And it speaks to the fact that everything's on the table right now. I feel like a broken record saying this, HD, but like every single day we've talked about the fact that we're trying to comp- we're trying to make a very complicated issue really simple. If you're the league, you've got to have a million different contingencies right now, and every one of them's got to be worked out. Whether it's you know what happens to playoff seating, what happens to these games, uh, how what are the different possibilities for ways that we could get all this figured out, and it's stuff that certainly doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things compared to Hamlin's health. We all know that, but you still have a job to do if you're Roger Goodell in the NFL, well, and that's job is to figure it out i'll say this rightfully so though fits that that it's another reason why those guys make the salary that they make <laughs> right to right. make these decisions right and have these plans in place like we did roger the is not just making 40 million dollars a year just to be making 40 million dollars a year it's for when situations like like this arise what's the plan going to be how are we going to maneuver things how are we going to fix things to where you know we don't have these two, two these two teams playing again in cincinnati and then you bring it back traumatic um, um, traumatic stress to, to, to all, towards all these players. So that's another reason why these guys are in the position that they are in so they can make these decisions, right? And not every time these decisions being made is going to be liked by everyone, but if it's the right decision for, you know, the betterment of everyone, then it's the right decision. Well, and it's certainly going to be a whirlwind of news over the course of the next 48 hours too because remember – the game starts Saturday this week. It's a flex yep. scheduling in week 18. There are a couple of games Saturday, not the least of which is a game that does have. I mean, there's there's consequence on Saturday to seeding, right? Uh, there's two games Saturday. One is obviously the Titans and the Jags playing for winner take all in the AFC South. But the other game on Saturday is my beloved Raiders taking on the Chiefs in a game that, uh, depending on the outcome of that, could impact this top overall seed. So the league's in, a, in an interesting situation where they run out of wiggle room over the course of the next 48 hours to make some of these decisions. So to your point, Roger Goodell gets paid a lot of money, and all of these owners are sitting back there counting their billions like Scrooge McDuck living on their, their mattresses, $100 bills. So this is a <laughs> moment where they're going to have to drop everything. They're going to have to get on their private planes. They're going to have to go to wherever they need to to have these conversations. They're going to have to make these votes quickly and decisively. But one thing, HD, I think they're going to have to do, Harry, is they're going to have to have uh, it's almost like choose-your-own-adventure books when we were a kid. Like, if this happens, then this happens. Like, they're going to have to be ready for every possible scenario, and they're going to have to do that right now. And I think the most important thing, though, Fitz, when you look at it all, because, you know, sometimes when you're a billionaire or you're in situations where, you know, financially you may be above a lot of people, 
do the right thing, man. That's all you got to do. Do the right <laughs> thing and what's best for the game to move forward. Do the right thing. It's as simple as that. If you asked every single player involved, I believe this. I, I gen- and you know better than me. I'm not the former player on this show. Tell me if I'm wrong. If you asked every single player in the league, hey, if you told them, this is what we're doing, and we're doing it out of respect to Hamlin. I can't imagine a single play- – for all the, the people in front of a mic, for all of the fans that are going to that, that, that'll look at everything and have something to say, unfortunately, by this weekend – you can't tell me that a single player or coach sitting in any locker room right now would have any problem with any decision that prioritizes Hamlin. No, because you talk about the fraternity. You talk about, you know, Hamlin being a brother to a lot of people. And you, we got to remember now, a lot of these coaches played the game as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're coaching and they've never been involved in the game. They don't understand what a locker room is like because they've never been in that position. A lot of these coaches played the game, whether it was in high school, whether it was in college, whether it was in the, at the professional level. They understand a lot of things that go on between these players. It's, it's a difficult process, and it's one that a lot of people are going to have a lot to say about. But the only people that matter right now are the players to me. Whatever the players are comfortable doing, whatever Hamlin is comfortable, like whatever his family is comfortable with, whatever honors him, uh, honors uh, that that's all that matters uh, right now. You can be a part of Fitz and Harry Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. You can call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. You guys deserve the latest. As we get breaking news from anybody, from our insiders, from doctors, from anybody around this situation, I promise you we will stop whatever we are doing and we will get you that information immediately. In the meantime, there's NFL action on the field this weekend. One of the most exciting players of the last decade going to join us just to talk about all of it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I mean, the disrespect behind the scenes of the show, it's, it's getting out of control. We're days into the show on a show called Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 8 and your smart speakers. Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're hanging out. And, and, you know, everything's fine during the break. We're having a good time. We're getting ready to have our next guest on. And uh, I, I hear Evan, our producer, pick up the phone. And and, and he's calling Devin Hester, who's going to join us in a second, Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. And, and Devin Hester going to join us. And I hear Evan say, hey, what's up, Devin? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, this is Evan calling from uh, from Harry's show. Harry's show. Like, I'm not... <laughs> Evan, am I not on the show at all? I never had this I issue understand. on Kenny and Carl, and I was just like, hey, call from Chris's show. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> my name is first. I don't know why either, y'all. Like, I, I, I don't. I, let, let, but you know, Dev, you know, you, know, you know Hester, that's my boy, though. You know, that's my guy. And let's tell everyone, like, this weekend at the college football playoff semifinals in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I, I was able to introduce Devin Hester to you, Fitz. I, you're not wrong. Did I not? No, no. And in fact, I'll admit there was a little bit of like fangirling by all of us because like we're getting ready to do our show. We're in the middle of the field. Like everything's chaotic. And all of a sudden, AC's just like, want to introduce you to my buddy, Devin Hester. And both Christine Williamson and I were like, oh, my God. No, like, there's just, my, oh, my God. I don't, I don't know why I went full Mickey Mouse. So Devin Hester, Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist, joining us now uh, on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Devin, appreciate your time. Uh, who is a better college football player, you or Harry Douglas? Let's just go. Let's start this. <laughs> Say that one more time. Who was a better college football player, you or Harry Douglas? <laughs> y'all, oh, y'all, sorry, no, sorry, man. It's too early for that, man. 
Hey, but we 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 did have a chance to play against each other, man. So I guess I guess uh, you guys had to answer that question, man. How did yeah, I do, man? And hence, I got to tell him, man, so we, my freshman year, I had a chance to play. We we went down to the Orange Bowl. I was at Louisville, and we played against Hester and them, right? And they were ranked in the top five. And we specifically told our punter, do not punt the damn football to Devin Hester. Punt the ball out of bounds. Our punter decided that he wanted to punt the football right down the middle of the football field. Now, I'm going to say the term that we have to use nowadays, but he sat the punter crisscross applesauce in the middle of the football field as Devin Hester took it to the end zone for a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, that's that, – it's wild. And you guys – I know you guys played together for a bit. Who is the bigger trash talker, Devin Hester or Harry Douglas? See, this is what we're going to do here. We're just going to have this conversation. Harry. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> So, uh, Fitz, listen, so I got to tell him another story. Hey, so remember when me and Josh Norman got in a fight on the football field and then Roddy yeah, came I over helped, there? I helped you out and I it, got fined. I was pissed. Exactly. We all got fined. What was it, 10K? About 10K and above wait, for wait, being wait. involved in the altercation. Hey, Devin, why'd you get fined? Because I helped helping Harry ass out. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's what oh man uh, hey, did you go back and give harry a bill after let me tell you something harry hey, if i ever get fined on this show together the first thing i'm doing is putting that fine in an envelope i'm mailing it to douglas town because you you live in a whole compound down there i'm mailing it to harry douglas and making it pay the whole De- devin did you make it pay the fine man listen it, it was like i want to say like three or four of us got fined because of harry man we, we we walking back to the huddle and you know, Harry is one of the biggest trash talkers. So him and Josh Norman once got into it. We walking back to the huddle. All we turn around, we see Harry and, and Josh Dolphin. We like, oh Lord, here we go. We do had to help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, bro. Bro, I, I gotta ask you this though, man. Being a guy that was very pivotal, pivotal, pivot on special teams, right, and being able to be uh-huh. a Hall of Fame finalist, how important is it for you to make the Hall of Fame because of that role? Man, it, it not only opened up doors for, you know what I mean, a lot of special team guys that looking to um, get opportunities that, that kind of get overlooked, I would say. You know what I mean? I, I think a lot of people don't take special team as, as serious as um, players doing it in their I think it is a key role. NFL. So to, to be able to open doors and be the first one as a return man to make it, man, it's a great honor. And, and it, it not only is it a great honor, but it, it really speaks highly of the work that I put in in, in NFL. It's it's interesting to me, Devin, because we always hear you know quarterbacks talk about talking to legendary quarterbacks and offensive linemen talking about legendary offensive linemen. Are there special teamers in the league right now that are reaching out to you just to get your insight on how to do what you did so well? Oh, yeah, since day, I mean, since day one, man, you know, I had a lot of young guys come up to me and I give plenty of advice on, on how to be a better returner. And um, it's not, not since I've been retired, but actually when I was in the league, you know what I mean, I had a lot of guys reach out to me and just ask me, you know, how could they pull their game, you know, to being a better returner. So it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been talked about, you know, for several years. We're talking to Devin Hester, Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. And, Hester, I got to ask you, out of all the returns that you were able to take back for a touchdown, punt returns, kick returns, what was your favorite one in the NFL? It's probably, it has to be, honestly, it got to be the Super Bowl one. You know what I mean? Because it was just – it was talked about. 
you know what I mean, proud up to the Super Bowl, two weeks to the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Um, would this guy take a kick back in the, in the actual Super Bowl? So, you know, that pressure alone, you know, anybody can go out week to week and play football and don't mention nothing about taking a return back. But when you hear people talking about it throughout the weekend, it's the biggest game of, you know, national football. And, you know, people coming up to you saying that it's a bad in Vegas, man, what's the odds of you taking it back? That's a lot of pressure, you know what I mean? And so for it to be talked about and brought up before the game actually happened and then took one the game and take one back, you know what I mean? And even not only that, but then you, you read the papers up to the Super Bowl, you know, and you get Tony Dungeon, Tony Dungeon talking about whether or not he's going to kick it to me. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that was a big buildup in the nervous wrecking ball, you know? And to be able to take it back, man, I would say that has to be the biggest one that I ever had. They always say you got to be a little uh, different to be on special teams. I keep thinking about this moment where you're back there and you got everybody running at you like a bat out of hell trying to take you down in that moment. What is it that, that makes a great returner in your mind? I think the, fear, the, the fearless of being back there and being patient, knowing that, you know what I mean, you got guys spreading down the field, guys running four three four holes coming down Scott Friend and we all know that this is the National Football League and everybody's not gonna get blocked. It's just those guys on the other side get paid just as much as our guys get paid. So at the end of the day I know that every guy's not gonna make their block. And it's just 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 have, having that fearless and knowing that you know what I mean if you get your hands on it, you're gonna take it to the house of confidence. Now Hess, we gotta end this the right way. We gotta end this the right way, my friend. Who is the best uh-huh. card player slash dice player that you've ever oh, ran into wow. in your life? <laughs> What's the card game of choice, y'all? It, like, what do we play? Like, what what what, what do we, we play? We used to play a lot of tunk, a lot of spades, a lot of boo ray stuff like that. Let's just but say, it was, it to was, be honest with you, and I I can literally say this, put this on my dad. Great, I walked away from Atlanta Fargo. With a free Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. Oh, I love a free it. I love it. Oh, brand new GT Coupe 12 V12 too. <laughs> and that thing was fast. Oh man! Uh, hey Devin, congratulations on being named a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. We appreciate you coming on for the first week of our show together, man. Thank you so much for the insights on Harry, and uh, thanks so much for entertaining <laughs> all of us for years, brother. Thanks for joining us. Okay, no problem, man. Devin Appreciate Hester, it, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Fine. You know what? Uh, Fitz and Harry, by the way, uh, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. AC, I'm not going to lie. There was a period in my life where I paid my bills playing spades. So I think you and I, maybe, I, I'm willing to say, like, are we the, the spades tandem of, of all of ESPN radio? Maybe of all of ESPN. We might be. I, but I, And I talk, you heard Hess, I talk smack now. So I'll tell anybody, if you get on that spades table, Anything is able to be said, as long as you understand that and know that. I, I'm I'm fine. The thing of it is, like I'm gonna be a great teammate until you make a stupid play as my teammate, and then I'm not trashing the other team. I'm, I'm talking to my own guy, being like, "You, what? What are you doing?" I look. Oh, we could be partners then. We could oh, be look, spades partners. I no, like that. No doubt about it. Partners on radio. Partner in spades. All right. Mm. If you tried to predict the playoff team six weeks ago, there are five teams, five that six weeks ago you would have said they were locks, but. We'll tell you why that their late season fades might mean their future is wildly up in the air. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. (laughs) 
need to know world. And these are the things you need to know. You need to know something. With Fitz and Harry. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And look, you need to know this. It's amazing that we've gotten a week 18 in the NFL season this weekend, Harry. And we're looking at a handful of teams. A handful of teams that just weeks ago felt like they were absolutely right in the thick of absolutely everything. The playoffs were right there for them. And all of a sudden, we've watched them completely fade. For whatever reason, we've taken a group of teams that six weeks ago we were talking about for the future. We were talking about for the future. looked like they were going to be stacked, racked, ready to go. And instead, now all of a sudden, all of these teams are going into the offseason saying, do what? What the heck? And it starts with, we're going to run through a bunch of them, AC, but the Washington Commanders have to be on this list, right? Like six weeks ago, it was, look at this roster. They're going to be fine. And now it's like, coach don't even know when they're about to be eliminated. Of course, that's why they have to be on the list, because the coach doesn't even know when they can be eliminated, <laughs> which blows my mind. And not knowing they could be eliminated, he decided that he wanted to start Carson Wentz. What does Carson Wentz go out there and do? Stink up the place. What we're accustomed now at this juncture in his career of seeing him do. Now, I look at the Washington Commanders in their last four games. They're 0-3-1. Three losses, one tied. Two of those games happen to be at home. Now, one of the games that they played against the um, New York football Giants, I thought it was the self-inflicted wounds. You talk about fumbling the football, Taylor Heineke, um, Kayvon Thibodeau sacking them, getting a touchdown, getting down in the tight red zone, fumbling the football as well. Uh, also not stopping uh, the run game and Daniel Jones and, Sta- and Saquon Barkley. And also you look at the last drive of that game, you could blame it on the referees, but it should have never came to that point. That's what I'm talking about. But then you look at the game against the San Francisco 49ers, in which it was tight. It was tight. It was a tight game. And then Taylor Heineke started turning the football over again. And then you look at the very last game when Carson Wentz went in there. Like I just mentioned, he started turning the football over. So it was just the self-inflicted wounds. But it all started with the leader of their football team and their head coach and Ron Rivera not understanding that they could potentially be eliminated from the playoffs by a loss last week. I just think as a head coach, you're supposed to know every uh, scenario. And I get it. You're supposed to worry about your own team. But when it comes down to the end of the season and you're fighting for your life to make a playoff, to actually get a playoff spot, you got to know every scenario possible so you can make the best decisions possible for your football team. Uh, That, that, Harry Douglas, is what stands out to me because coaches talk about details. Coaches will tell you all the time that the devil's in the details and you got to know every single ounce of every single moment. You got to know every single uh, opportunity. You got to know every single play. You got to be in the right spot at the right time. You got to pay attention to every single detail in practice, right? You hear coaches talk about details constantly. When your own coaching staff, this is why I think in-game management matters. If your own coach can't figure out clock management, when to call a timeout, what to do with their quarterback, these are all details that a locker room looks around and says, man, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And if you got Ron Rivera coming out, not even knowing they're, they're on the brink of elimination, that is an epic fail because it speaks to a huge detail that you had to know going in. Like, there is no excuse for not being aware of the situation. Now, they're not the only team that is absolutely faded down the stretch. I'm putting Uh-oh. the I'm putting the Jets, J-E-T-S, on that list too. Like, uh, the, the Jets and the way that it has fallen apart at the end of the season is something that you have to be critical of. Yes, this team, the last seven games, they went one and six. And I can't help but think about that Patriots game where they had an opportunity to win the game but decided to punt the football, and their special teams unit gave up a special teams touchdown 
that ended that football game. You also look at the quarterback situation and Mike White ended up getting hurt. I'll, I'll bring up the Minnesota game when Braxton Barrels, all he had to do was catch the football in the end zone. And most likely the, the, the um, New York Jets were going to win that football game because of their defense and how their defense has played all season long. A top five defense, might I add. Then you look at other games, the Thursday night football game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, where you had uh, Zach Wilson going out there to play again, and then he getting booed by the Jets fans. We all know how the New York media is. We know how New York fans are as well. If you're not playing up to your capabilities, they're going to let you know, and they're going to be loud about it. He got booed. He got replaced by Streveler. I don't hmm. even know who Streveler is. <laughs> Nothing against the young man. I don't even know who he is, but that's who he got replaced with. And we're talking about the second number, uh, the number two overall draft pick in the 2021 NFL draft. So when you look at the Jets, they've been phenomenal this year on defense. But the offense, and I'll say particularly the quarterback position, has been the question mark all year long for them. Can I hit you with a couple of numbers you need to know? Are you ready for hit this? Me with the, hit me with the huh. The, the Jets, fan, Jets fans are always in my mentions about injuries, right? So there's mm-hmm. a great Twitter account for anyone that's never followed it. It's at Man Games Lost NFL. So they factor in how many games were lost by your starters, right? So the least games missed by injured players and health pro- protocols across the NFL. Bottom five, the least games total missed. The Jets, fifth least, all right? Fifth least okay so that tells you that that for all the conversation about well they've been injured okay fifth least total games and then then if you want to say well it's not it's not how many games it's who was lost well they weight those metrics too so then they have a separate metric that says okay let's take a look at who lost games and what it means by weight no team has been more impacted by injuries negatively this year than San Francisco sitting over there with the number two seed in the NFC San Francisco so when Jets fans come up in my mentions all the time being like well you don't know what you're talking about you haven't watched I've watched the Jets they've been <laughs> trashed voice. this year yeah I don't, I don't know why it's that boy like the Jets have not been good enough and there is no stinking excuse the wheels have fallen off and it is a dumpster fire. Well, for the you Jets. look at two of the games that the Jets actually lost to the New England Patriots. They scored one offensive touchdown. <laughs> the Patriots did, and they beat them both times. How crazy is that, Fitz? Against a bad Patriots team. Another team, wheels falling off on now this one. Maybe I will give you some of the injury argument because it's quarterback position. I understand that's difficult, but the Dolphins were a team six weeks ago. AC, we were high on the Dolphins six weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, the Dolphins sitting there on the outside looking in with a bunch of talent. Yeah, everything was looking good until they had to play the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, Mike McDaniel had to go out there and play Kyle Shanahan. You know, the two guys are very, very close-knit. I don't think there's anyone in the National Football League at this moment right now who's been with Kyle Shanahan as longer, longer than Mike McDaniel before he departed to take the head coaching job down in Miami. But, you know, that defense really imposed their will. Then you look at the second game when they played the um, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, almost said San Diego. Got to get that out of my mind. When Fine they played job. the Los Angeles Chargers, and I thought they had a great game plan to take away the middle of the football field and things really started going off the rails right then and there because the Miami Dolphins for this year they've been one-dimensional they haven't ran the football effectively and we got to remember when Mike McDaniel was with San Francisco he was the run game coordinator he was the guy that got the run game going so for them to be in that spot and be so so heavily um, uh, I'll say relying on the pass game I think it was something that they never over, overcame, and I think more teams that they started to play started figuring things out. And you look at how the Green Bay Packers game high ended with Tua Tagovailoa with us finding out after the game that he had a concussion, and then we've seen the game against the New England Patriots that they just lost. And 
how time and time again they couldn't make the plays and the turnovers really hurt them. But the Miami Dolphins is a, is a team that I thought was going to be able to contend and make the playoffs this season. And I wouldn't allow, I wouldn't mind going down and, you know, taking my talents to South Beach for a playoff game ooh, and, ooh. you know, sitting on the beach with my guns out. When I mean that, I'm talking about my muscles. Don't take it out of context, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. What you what you pull out on the beach is your own business. Uh, he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Sure, the Commanders, the Jets, the, the Dolphins, they're all part of this conversation. But there are two teams that have collapsed down the stretch. And as a result of that collapse, I have no idea what they should do this offseason. They've made things really difficult. We'll tell you who those two teams are because one of them is actually still playing for the playoffs. We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Hey, Harry. I'm going to say the dumbest thing I've said so far in our time together. Hey, Fitz. See, look at that. I love that he joined me on that. I'm going to say the dumbest thing I've said on this show since we started working together. And I just need to go with me for a second. All right, just come with me on this journey, right? Uh Uh-oh. It's amazing how making the playoffs totally changes the outlook of an offseason. I know it's a captain obvious crown and a, a, a cape and a whole thing. Like I got the little captain obvious tights. I got like the little, like, like super tight, like red and blue whole thing going. I got a logo going. I fly in the air as captain obvious, but it's amazing how the postseason changes the way everybody feels about everything. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio presented by progressive insurance. I say that Harry, because there are two teams this weekend that are playing with a chance at the, the playoffs. One is simple. One is not. Uh, the Seahawks trying to find their way in to the playoffs, and the Titans with a win in their end game on Saturday night for the AFC South. And uh, both of those teams are in an interesting situation because the Seahawks, like a month ago, we were talking about teams that melted down. A month ago, the Seahawks had figured it all out. Geno was the future, going to get a huge contract. Pete Carroll smarter than everybody else. Look at this. Now, I've watched the Seahawks go up and down depending on how Kenneth Walker the third runs every week, and I feel like th- there's this moment for the Seahawks where I want them to be great because it's a great story, but man, if they lose and this season doesn't end in the playoffs, it gets tricky for them because they right now, because of their trade with the uh, with the Rams, they have the third pick in the draft. So all of a sudden, if you make the playoffs with Geno, now you're addressing the defense, you're doing all of these smart things, best player available, yada, yada, yada. If you don't, you're going to be sitting there with the third pick available in the draft. You might be tempted to take a gamble on one of those QBs. Well, here's the thing that's interesting about the Seattle Seahawks and the emergence of Geno Smith and how he's been able to play this year for most of the year playing like an MVP caliber type quarterback. Now, I think the last, I'll say, three or four weeks that have uh, kind of slid off a little bit, Geno turning the football over. Uh, you see the game against the Carolina Panthers, those, those turnovers were capitalized by the Panthers and being able to score points off of the turnovers that he did, you know, having those in, in, in that game to be uh, specific. But I will say this, Geno showed me a lot this season. He showed, number one, that you can't count out someone until they decide not to play the game anymore. I think this year he's been a phenomenal leader for this football team. I think he's delivered the football very well to Tyler Lockett and also to D.K. Metcalf and to his tight ends. Kenneth Walker III, who was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks last year, has been a phenomenal uh, rookie from the running back position. He's actually going to be a guy who's going to be up for offensive rookie of the year. Now, this defense and guys that they've been able to, you know, piece together – uh, Daryl Taylor, you see the linebacker position. They got guys that are young at that at that spot too. The young corner Woolen, who was able to be a steal for Pete Carroll in that defense this season. I I don't think they're so fast to draft a quarterback. 
um, in the first round. They can draft the guy quarterback-wise, I think, later and try to groom him, kind of like they did with Russell Wilson, but he doesn't have to play as fast as Russell Wilson and still have Geno Smith and still add more pieces to the puzzle. And I say more pieces to the puzzle. You look at this defense and you look at who's coming out in the draft next year. You have a Jalen Carter. You have a Will Anderson Jr. Do the Seattle Seahawks decide that, you know what, we're okay at the quarterback position and we don't have to draft a quarterback in the top five. Do we try to find a guy later in the draft and build this defense out the way we kind of wanted it to be uh, when we were making that Super Bowl run? When I say we, I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks. When they were making that Super Bowl run, they were able to get the best out of all 53 guys on their roster. And I know a lot of people get, you know, excited about the first and second round draft picks, but they were able to do it with third round, fourth Mm -hmm. round, fifth round, sixth round, college college free agents. And that's the way you kind of want to build your team out because that's the way that Pete Carroll actually knows. Yeah, and and there is this, by the way, uh, correct myself, uh, it was a trade, obviously, with the Broncos that's giving them the third overall pick. It becomes tempting. I'm such a fan of when you are picking at the top of the draft, you don't reach. You take, you look at your draft board. Whatever your scouts are telling you, whatever your draft board's telling you, if it tells you it's quarterback and you want to take a quarterback, I'll never fault you. But if it tells you that it's a defensive lineman, don't take a quarterback, right? Like that's that's my my oversimplified plea. The, the Titans are not in as simple a situation even as the Seahawks are. The Titans still have a chance when and they're in to, to win the AFC South. But, my God, this thing has just gone absolutely off the rails for Tennessee. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill being hurt is a big part of that. Malik Willis uh, is not going to get the start in Week 18. Josh Dobbs is. So, I think that gives you some indication at least of where Malik is right now, Harry. But if you're the Titans, there isn't an easy solution for a team that fired their GM a few weeks ago to look at this entire roster and say, man, it's not good enough. And I'm watching a Jags team that's on the come up quickly that looks like they are going to be the class of the division for the next several years. The Titans need to make some moves right now to get better. Yeah, you look at the AFC South uh, period, and you, you think about the Houston Texans, and I don't care what anybody says, they've been able to show some promise. Even though they haven't been able to win those football games with the right pieces being added to that football team, they're another team that I think some people better be watching out for in the AFC uh, next year as well. You talked about the Tennessee Titans, and I think the big move in this past offseason was A.J. Brown being traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. So now they were able to draft Traylon Burks in the first round. He's been banged up in and out of the lineup this season. You know, Derrick Henry is the reason why this offense goes. He's the engine. But then you got your quarterback in Ryan Tannehill being hurt and him being out. And uh, rookie quarterback Malik Willis has to fill in, but he's not living up to the standards and being able to provide the offense with enough spark to get them going. That's part of, part of the main reason why Coach Vrabel decided that, you know what, we're going to go with Joshua Dobbs because we need someone to get this, give this offense a little spark. That has not been Malik Willis. You look on the defensive side of the ball, and they've invested a lot of their draft picks in the secondary. The secondary has been one of their you know, dark clouds this season. And I will say even last year as well, not living up to the standards and playing the way that they need to play. But you also have a Jeffrey Simmons who's been banged up, a Danico Autry who's been banged up. And when I look at this matchup, the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans, if I'm Jacksonville – I'm going to try to throw the football and not try to rush it and force things because you have those two big guys in the middle that are going to be coming back this week. Yeah, it feels like there's a moment for the Titans where they need to look at it and say, no matter what we've accomplished in the past, who are we moving forward? And who they are moving forward 
right now is not talented enough. Uh, they're going to have to actually just start ripping things out and trying to figure take this thing down to the studs. And and I don't I'm not necessarily saying that means they can't be a competitive football team. Mike Frabel has seemed to find a way to do that week in or year in and year out. But if you're the Titans, you have to look at it and say there's plenty here that needs to be fixed. I'm not sure they can fix all of the positions they have to fix in one offseason. So it's amazing, though, to be talking about a team that's winning their in for the playoffs like they need complete rebuilding. So it, it speaks to the job that they're doing there uh, behind the scenes. We're going to keep breaking all of it down. You can hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's how you hang out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio+. Plus. We got to get you the latest on DeMar Hamlin's health. It's ever developing, but we've now spoke we've now heard from the doctors who are currently working on getting him healthy. You'll hear some of what they had to say next on ESPN Radio with Fitz and Harry, also on the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.